Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Upon Audio Podcast. Welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Yay! Welcome to the show, Billy Hello. Hills. We've just heard the dulcet tones of <laughs> and Miles Mitchell. Hello. Joining us again. <laughs> just whispering into the microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Very, very nice. But behind me. And me, Martin Lumsden. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Deftones last night. Amazing. Best gig I've ever been to. We covered the Deftones. We did. We did a podcast about the Deftones. Best gig ever. But I think the best gig. I best think quite drunk as well. So. Best album ever. This, I've best noticed gig, that yeah. Billy's a few times says it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, quite excitable. Liam, um, Gallagher, Liam Gallagher was the best thing ever the week before. Oh, it was tops. So I've just yeah. been so so Waterfalls is my favourite song yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they only did a couple of White Pony, but the set list, I thought they were going to do loads of their new album. And thank God they didn't. They did two. They just did the singles, which I don't mind. But they did so much old stuff. Yeah. It's brilliant. And they paid like 19 songs as well. Brilliant. It was on like, quarter past nine, finished at 11. Had that's the not, a big, that's not a big venue either, is it? Four no, hours, is it? two thousand. Yeah. Last time I saw him was at Wembley. Was Wembley eight thousand? Mm. Ten thousand? So unbelievable. Wow, really, really good. We are about to cover numbers forty nine and fifty already. Wow, ten, a massive ten percent through the Rolling Stone five. When did we start? What month? List. I think the first one was December. Was it or November yeah, last yeah, year? Yeah. Uh, so here we are on episode official episode number twenty five. Uh, of the Apollo Audio Podcast. The albums this week from 1978 and from 1988 were X-Ray Specs, Germ-Free Adolescence and Tracy Chapman's Tracy Chapman. Was that the first one? Yeah. That's that's more acceptable. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. we're finding the rules yeah. are getting expanded. Yeah, it's yeah. not, if you self-titled, but it's your first album. Yeah. That's all right. Mm. General thoughts before we dig in? Good week, bad week, interesting week. I, I enjoyed it. 50% of it was good, I 50%. felt. Okay, we'll get we'll get into that in more detail. In time-honoured fashion, we will start with the one that was lowest on the list, highest number on the list. <laughs> the classic. Uh, number 471 from 1978, Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. Uh, released on the 10th of November 1978, Rolling Stone magazine said, Teenage multiracial London girl polystyrene had braces on her teeth and wore day glow rags, screeching anthems like, Oh, bondage, up yours, over saxophone blasts and chanting, I'm a poser and I don't care, I like to make people stare. X ray Spexy's explosive punk rock debut went criminally unreleased in the United States, but it became a word of mouth cult classic through the indie rock underground in the 80s and 90s, influencing bands like Sleater Kinney, The Beastie Boys, and many others. This was their debut album, reached number 18 in the UK in November 1978. FKA Twigs said this was her favourite album of all time. Oh. It's produced by Falcon Stewart and the band. Stewart's also served as their producer, manager, and often photographer, and also promoted a twice weekly gig at The Man in the Moon, where X Ray Specs played, and where Adam Ant would also <sighs> launch his career. Their first single, Oh Bondage Up Yours, is now acknowledged as a classic punk rock single. And the album, Gem Free Adolescence, is widely acclaimed as a classic album of the punk rock genre. Number one movie, November 1978, Comes a Horseman. <laughs> Anyone? No idea. <laughs> Literally, I never, comes no idea. A never. Comes a Horseman. 
Christ. That was the number one. That was the number one movie. Orson's Cup. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah that's. That, I bet there was one of those as well. Uh, that was that was number one. Uh, the number one album was Grease, the original soundtrack, and the number one that's single, like Summer it. Nights, by John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, Good. who we've already had amazing story about. From, oh, yeah. you, you told you told yeah, us yeah. the Olivia Newton-John, my dad story. I did, yeah, on a previous episode. How, sorry, how's that not the one, number one film either? I, don't, well, I think it, that probably was, but earlier, I guess. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. Comes a horseman. Like, I mean, that's, gone, that's gone down in the, forgive the phrase, yeah. that's gone down in the annals of history. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Hopelessly Devoted to You was a bigger song than Summer Nights from that film, but yeah, hey-ho. I think, well, that was sort of probably in the chart. They had a few hits from that, didn't they? Yeah. Summer Nights was a big hit. There was um, You're the One That I Want. Yeah. Grease Lightning. That was a big Grease Lightning. Yeah, I mean, lots of lots of hits uh, from that movie. Um, on November the third, the first broadcast of Different Strokes on NBC. Do you know Different Strokes? Yeah, Is that, you familiar? Yeah, with that? yeah, yeah. Before my time. <laughs> on November the eighteenth, Great Britain performed a nuclear test at the Nevada test site. So you said before my time, right? Yeah. Danny Baker. Do you know Danny Baker, radio yeah. DJ? Yeah. Did he do football as well? I'd yeah, he used to do six. He, he invented six oh six. Basically, that was his thing. What's six oh six? Six oh six on Radio, radio. Five. You don't know that? Phone yeah. in after after football phone in show. No. I mean, he's, he's a radio DJ. Anyway, when people are on the radio, and if anyone ever said. Like talk about an album or something, yeah. and someone says, "Before my time, Danny," and say, "The Bible's before your time, mate." I bet you've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. I make that. <laughs> uh, on November the eighteenth in Jonestown, Guyana, nineteen nine sorry, nine hundred and eighteen members of the People's Temple were murdered or committed suicide under the leadership of cult leader Jim Jones. What was that? A lot, lot of songs written about that. Jim Jones. It was one of those American cult things where they all thought they were going to ascend to heaven. And you just poisoned them all and they all died. Uh, the Charles People's Manson? Temple, that's what they called the People's Temple. Charles Manson was an actual um, sort of murderer. Oh. <laughs> he didn't, I mean, that was, I suppose, a religious cult as well. But they went out and killed other people. These, these guys, he just basically got everyone to join his religion and then said, the only way to um, achieve enlightenment is to die. Mental. And if you don't like it, I'm going to kill you. So they just all, was it like poison juice or something? I don't know, it was weird. Madness, religion. Uh, yeah, you're quite right. November the 28th, Atlantic Records releases A Briefcase Full of Blues, the debut album by the Blues Brothers. The album becomes the best-selling blues record of all time. Wow. <laughs> the Blues Brothers is the best-selling one of all time. <laughs> That's quite gimmicky, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Germ-Free Adolescence by X-Ray Specs. I take it this is the one you don't like, Miles. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Who wants to take it? Go, Billy. First thing I thought when I heard it, I was like, oh, Christ. Because uh, her voice is like it's quite shrill. But it grew on me. I think she sounded like a uh, a female Johnny Rotten. I got yeah. that sort of vibe for it. And in parts, I think she her melodies are quite interesting. And I like it when her voice breaks, actually. But when she's like at the top end, it does get a bit shrill. Um, but I really like the instrumentation. It wasn't just like a normal like punk album where it's just all fast drums all the time. I liked it. Um, what was the one listening to the car earlier? Plastic bag. There's like tempo yeah. changes. I love the fact there's saxophone in there. I was really surprised by it, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah. And I didn't think I would from the. Um, oh no! The first track did actually like after you got over a voice a bit. I thought the lyrics are great. It was it Germ Free Adolescence? I thought it was a great song. I thought it was a really catchy yeah. hook. And uh, yeah, I think they're all like sometimes punk. They're not the best musicians. It's just like 
uh, four energy. chord like bar chord stuff it's just like fast energy sort of yeah, stuff yeah, but yeah. you could tell like those little licks in the break the tempo changes the actual structure of the songs I thought they were all really good musicians and yeah it's their only album isn't it yes uh, no actually they did, they did have another album later yeah. on I think there's a there's a live album that got released quite late on they did reconvene for another album yeah, I don't, I don't like that, think yeah. you can uh, find it anywhere but there's a like is it an 80s or 90s album I think <laughs> never really went away that's the interesting thing I think everybody sort of knew who Polystyrene was particularly as a mm. sort of influential name from the punk scene mm. well yeah quite enjoyed it I'm so excited to hear your opinion <laughs> I it wasn't the worst we've done I, I, I think I've got to be honest and I sound like a lot of genres but I say punk is actually one of my least favourites yeah. Billy's kind of said for the reasons why. Yeah. I find it all quite... Um, God, and I know this is annoying because people say this about metal and, it, and I know this isn't the case with metal, but I find punk all quite samey. Mm. Like you just said, fast, energy. Mm. I found her vocal, exactly like you said, yeah. fairly annoying and yeah. screechy. <laughs> I thought the sax was good, but then yeah. it's sort of overused almost. It was used yeah. like all the time. Yeah. Um, it was like, oh, let's put a sax. That sounds good on that song. Let's yeah. try it on every yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it felt like, uh, well, we've got a sax player in the yeah, band. We might as well use it. Yeah. <laughs> That's our thing. Yeah. That's right. Obviously, we've done Sex Pistols, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. And I preferred Sex Pistols. Yeah. My nice takeaway was actually the guitar. Yeah. On a lot of the tracks. Yeah. I thought the guitar parts and the guitar sound was nice. Yeah, so I thought the actual production yeah. like sound, the That's album, the best thing. time. Yeah. I thought it sounded great. Yeah. Well, not yeah. So, I think it was 1978. Definitely. Yeah. I'd actually give like the production yeah. and the mix and the overall sort of... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the effects on it as well, from that German free adolescence, where it came in with that sort of like paddy sort of sound. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was really cool. It's, a, it's an interesting kind of say that for the time. And you think, what, what are you assessing that with? Because like 1978, same year as Michael Jackson's doing Off the Wall. Yeah. yeah. So you know, the idea of being like high end production is not off the wall. It's yeah. I think kind of punk, maybe a little bit unfairly, gets maligned as being sloppy. Yeah. I think a lot of the musicianship, we, we talked about it a bit on the Sex Pistols album as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not badly played. No. And it's well produced. And there's, there's I don't think they had loads of money. But by the time you get to 1978 as well, I think you've probably got major labels are going, we'll have a little bit of this. Yeah. So they're putting decent producers, yeah. decent studios, decent instrumentation. Yeah. And I read uh, Viv Albertine's book. I don't know if you've ever, like Viv Albertine was the member of the Slits, who were another sort of very popular female punk band around that time. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how much time and effort they put into We've Got to Be Good. But we've got to be able to play. We don't have to be like, and this was the, the reaction was to the sort of overly um, technical musicians who are sort of highly learned, let's show off with our technical proficiency. But they were like, if we're going to play, we've got to be good. We've got to be able to play the instrument. We don't have to know everything about yeah. it. I mean, it was funny. We were talking, sort of, I suppose, maybe something similar about that time we were out and we were talking about why, why when you're teaching kids do you start with classical music? Yeah. Why don't you start with current? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why yeah. don't you get them excited about mm, what music yeah. sounds like yeah. and then tell them the history? And I think it was sort of a reaction to that. You know, If you've got a guitar, you can learn how to play it and once yeah. you've learned how to play it, make a song. Mm. That's the sort of punk ethic. But it doesn't mean that we're like, it doesn't matter if we're not good. That was never part no, of it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was overly sloppy with the musicality. I thought it was... I don't know if it's. I don't know if this is. If if I'll get stick from uh, all the all the punk fans out there listening, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I don't know if it's a. It's it's potentially a genre. That, I don't know that may, maybe uh, lends itself to a live um, yeah. setting more yeah. than actual like sit down. 
I normally consume these albums by uh, running. Yeah. And this one, I, I, I didn't. I was here, sat listening. Uh-huh. And I think, like we always say, Martin, where you are, what mood you're in, can sway things. And maybe I wasn't in the mood for it, but um, is that... I thought that on second listen, I was like, oh. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, is is that across the genre, perhaps? I don't know. You know, um, you're more into the Sex Pistols than I am. Maybe it's just a genre that I don't always connect with. And I think the whole album, bar a saxophone, which I think is fairly unique to put in punk records, it sums up the genre of punk, this, doesn't it? It seems to be a genre where you don't have to be a singer. Annoying. You can just... (laughs) I think I wonder how much of that was our attitude as well. Yeah. Like kind of almost like you said, sounds like Johnny Rotten. And I think mm. that maybe that was an element of mimicry as much mm. as I can't sing as much as I'm going to sing like mm. John Lydon, mm. because that's what that's the sound of punk. Because mm. I thought the same as well. I thought mm. that some of the inflections, the way mm. she's like, yeah, that's what saying. Enunciating yeah. was so similar mm. that I thought this has to be influenced by. Um, and not every punk band's like that. I don't think you would say uh, Joe Strummer. That's not his vocal style, no, no. for example. But we've, I mean, we've we've now covered quite a lot of genres now. Yeah. And there was always melodically, I felt something for me to grab onto. And 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 yeah. I'm not like that thing. Oh, I only just something with vocals, you know, m- melodic singing, you know, yeah. uh, top lines or whatever. Um, but this, I know you said you didn't mind them. But I struggle with this in terms of, yeah. you know, remember, remember those amazing reggae albums? It was like all in like three-part harmony and it was mm. like nice nice vocals. And this was just like, just annoying yeah. screech. It's just stripped. So very young, yeah. I think, this band. I think they're all teenagers. Really? Like when they're, the saxophone player, as far as I remember, is 15, I think. When what? Recording, when they're recording this. That's Paula insane. Styrene herself, at the time they're recording this, I think was 19 maybe. Well. It, just as a sort of by way of yeah, like, there you go. The band featured singer Polystyrene uh, on vocals, Jack Airport on guitars, Paul Dean on bass, Paul Herding on drums, and Laura Logic uh, on saxophone. What a name! Um, which became one of the group's most distinctive features. Logic was only fifteen. Playing saxophone was a hobby, and after the after the album, she left the band to complete her education. Wow! <laughs> no so just way. Like fifteen. Germ-free adolescence. The song itself. I thought, oh God, I know this. Mm. And I hadn't connected that with X-ray specs necessarily. And it felt like it was slower than I remembered it. Mm. Whether that's because I've seen live versions of it or something, I don't know, but mm. it just felt slower. But I thought the melody on that is pretty cool. Mm. And that's the one where that, you know, that sort of broken vocal yeah. is more uh, obvious as mm. well. I almost thought some of the, I thought is the recording ducked out or something mm. like that because her voice is kind of disappearing a little mm. bit on some of the notes. But I thought that like the actual top line on that Pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. Clever that, lyrics. Yeah. I think, again, I, I was, you know, now we're coming up to our big end of season finale for 50 episodes. You start, you know, the, the mind was casting back to what we had listened to, but also perhaps what albums haven't made the top 500 yeah. and won't. And I think, well, how's this made it over <laughs> some other ones mm. that haven't does this feel like okay we need another punk album in there to tick mm. the box I'm yeah. like, is this really a top 500 album yeah or what or what's a great punk album yeah and, and how many great punk albums are there before yeah. you start getting into the well it's all right mm. but yeah but it's I, an I interesting said, era of time though martin you you'll know, know more than us on that <laughs> no because it's, it's not, not really but yeah, well, I, sorry, I, not I know what you mean you know, I know what i mean without sorry sounding yeah. offensive i was but, the i think we said before i was the wrong age for punk i was just a bit too young oh, okay 
Fine. Um, it sort of passed me by a little bit. Right, okay. So take that. But I, no, it, that yeah, but, yeah, um, I, I know where you're coming from. It's but it, it is an interesting era, isn't it? Like it yeah. was it was a real movement, but I just never, I've never got into it. Yeah, that's um, what my dad's always said to me. It's like, you haven't had that like big movement. Like, he, it was so he was exciting. into it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's massive punk. And I've sort of gone back and said, we have, but it's just not... I know at that time that must have been so shocking. I think our sort of thing now, the big thing was like grime and UK rap is so massive. And it wasn't yeah, really so, so much else going on yeah. politically yeah. at that time, mm. that 70s. Have either of you seen the Pistol um, series? No, I haven't seen it yet. And, and then oh, I, I saw thought it was a bit wanky. They was was a bit... So did I. Yeah. <laughs> did you see it? But you get a yeah. sense of they what's going on. They've slacked it off though, haven't they? They've come out and said no, that it was Leiden all untrue. Has. Only Leiden. Oh, well, he's got opinion about everything. Not, well, he said, I think Danny Boyle, who directed it, said if, if John Lydon hadn't said that, we'd be disappointed. Because yeah. that's what he says about everything. Fine. But it, uh, it's a bit, yeah, I agree with you. It's a it's a good story, but to to kind of a, think of it as connected to the Sex Pistols is mm. kind of... I think they made all, a bit like Airy Fair. It's like, I just I just wanted a good like TV series about Sex Pistols. I don't know why they tried to make it all a bit There's not a lot like, of edge for, well, something no, that's no, a, yeah. for something that's about the well, most sort about? of edgiest bands in just, history. It's not a lot of edge. It's based on Steve Jones' autobiography. Right. So it's his life story through the Pistols, if you like. Uh, so it is about the period of the creation of the Sex Pistols to the end of the, to them breaking up. Right, it's but it's not really about backstage and all the gigs. Or is it, it is a bit, but it's very quite a lot of it didn't really happen. I mean, you get that with a lot of biog stories. Yeah, but it's kind of it's, it, throughout the whole series. There's this lengthy relationship with uh, Chrissy Hind from the Pretenders, which didn't happen. They were friends, and I think they might have had a brief mm. liaison. But it's, if you look looking at the series, you'd think that this was like. <laughs> the romantic story for the ages. It's right. like his whole mm. thing is like and everyone, always connecting with Chrissy Hind. But and everyone probably really watched it like Billy was saying, you just want to see about the Sex Pistols. Yeah. I hate when that happens. They, they did that on another um, biopic recently. Uh, oh, the Jimi Hendrix, uh, the one mm. on Jimi Hendrix. And uh, that wasn't great. I, I want to see the Elvis one. Yeah. That's that, you know, the Elvis, the yeah. films come out. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, all of these sort of bikes tend to fall into a similar trap. They do, they? It's very cheesy. The Pistols one, I'd say, you kind of feel like it's missing a huge edge, really, compared yeah. to what they were, because it feels like they've done it in a similar way to the Elton John one, you know, the right. Rocket yeah. Man movie. Yeah. It's got more of that mm. feeling about it. And you're like, this is the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Where's the, oh my God, mm. moment? But it's all not. Ah, <laughs> anyway, I watched the Filth and the Fury. If you've ever seen that, that's the What's documentary that? that was done in 2000, I think. That's worth watching. That, that, that is about? actually them talking about the whole period with. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's an that's a actual documentary. I can't remember. We would have covered this on the podcast. Were they the start of the the movement? I think it was like New York Dolls, wasn't it, or uh, Ramones? The, yeah, what, what you think of as punk, you could go back as far as the Stooges, Iggy and the Stooges, in sort of late 60s. Fine. That's where a lot of their influences came from musically. You can hear that if you listen to that. Uh, New York Dolls, uh, Malcolm McLaren managed them for a little bit. So there's that sort of, what were you trying to, he, he basically had a go with the New York Dolls failed and then came and did yeah. the Sex Pistols and sort of succeeded in whatever it was he was trying to do. But they were definitely, I don't think it was, you'd say the originators, but they were definitely the forefront of the punk movement in that sort of mid-70s and inspired a lot of other bands to follow after them. I mean, it must have been an interesting time because you've got like, that's when disco music was obviously really big and then you have this movement going on as well because your dad's completely right. You look back at like all these eras of music and what's ours? 
mm. in terms of what's what will we be asking before you got the mm. swing the swing in 60s you know punk in the 70s yeah. disco in the 70s 80s new romance mm. and and um the use of synthesizers yeah. synthesizer yeah. technology evolving 90s that pushed on even further but then like r&b and, and hip-hop really well hip-hop obviously was in the 80s but you, sorry i'm not doing like a musical history lesson here but you, you see what i mean you get to our era and like what are we gonna say well in our in our what sort of they thing, might have said that at the time though you got you we can look back in 20 years now but it felt like are. socially and culturally music was like at the heart of everything mm. uh do you know what i mean like yeah. even like the what it was such a defi the, those areas feel so much more defined. Yeah. Does that make any Even sense? Like the, what would the noughties be like the uh, like the girl band and boy the band? The girl era. band and boys had curtains yeah. and yeah. Spice Girls and like well, girl yeah. power. Let's say Brit Brit pop. Brit pop as well, kind of, of course. Uh, defining part. Yeah. Of that one. Oh, nineties was the yeah. Brit pop culture and then Liam Gallagher swagger yeah. and like Euro '96 Gaza. Yeah. You know, like there was. Yeah. I feel like. Do you know what I mean? Our mm. our era, it's kind of just feels. Um, I don't know if we could like argue that's back down to streaming and just so much music out there so now like there's not as many defined sort of genre i don't know i don't know mm. what would you what would you what would you guys say because you know what i'm getting at yeah definitely uh, there's nothing that you would put your finger on certainly sort of like as a comparison to the like yeah. punk and all that but but i think you're it's 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 harder to get a, a a big cultural phenomenon like that where you get a whole yeah uh, a whole movement if you like it's like a revolution because it's, yeah. it's too diverse uh possibly <laughs> there's too much going on like i said there's too many that because it was a little bit inaccessible like it was almost like a little secret you become part of a club that you could sort of share that with each other whereas now if you can access everything now you make your mind up very quickly mm. like do you know what i mean it'd be sort of easier to kind of go i know about punk to someone who's going i don't know what the hell you're talking about yeah yeah uh, in the seventies, and have it be your thing. That's a good point. And reactionary, and even people who were like reacting to it wouldn't necessarily really know what it was because how would they find out? They yeah. don't know who's involved. They don't know what's going on. They just know it's a thing, right? And you just get the top level of it. Whereas nowadays, you just go, well, I want to know what it's about. I'll go and I'll go and stream a bit of it and make my own mind up. But it went down to like, <laughs> and the media's everywhere. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no way of getting a kind of a different. You, you can't get the same sort of handle on a story. I guess no. But then it just, like I was saying, I went down to like the boots and the pair that, the, you know, like punk yeah. rockers, like all mm. dressed the same. It was like mm. a, such a social, it was such a um, yeah. defining movement. And I suppose you're right. UK rap and grime is probably mm. the closest we come to that. I think everyone dresses like the 90s now as well. That seems to be the fashion. That's, That's yeah. about. There's nothing yeah. really new. I don't know what we yeah, do. Yeah, I wonder where it's I'll going. I'll tell you what, what you occurs know. to me is it's, and this is obviously a, an exaggeration. It's harder to tell parents and children apart. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Like the difference, because I, I was saying, looking at about when I was growing up, it was very obvious that my dad was my dad. And what he was into and what I was into was very different. Different. Now it's... Now it's Whereas now yeah. you kind of get parents and kids that yeah. are sort of into the same thing. That's, mm. and, it's, and there's no embarrassment about that yeah, either. That's it's like, so I'm, you know, I spoke, speaking earlier about... Uh, my neighbour up the road's going to Chili Peppers gig with his daughter, so you know he's getting on for sixty, and she's <laughs> just turning twenty. Yeah, and there's no, they're not weird about that. It's like, yeah, we're going to this gig together. There's no sort of I'm taking my daughter, mm. or oh god, my dad's with me. It's like let's go to a gig yeah. together, mm. and they're both into it. Because mm. so she's into it now, he was into it thirty years ago, mm. and both are equally valid. And that's totally different, I think, from mm. what it was thirty years ago, forty years ago. 
Robert Crisco said that germ-free adolescence, he bemoaned the fact that germ-free adolescence was not released in the US and praised polystyrene's cheerfully moralistic nursery rhymes, the song's strong melodies, <laughs> and the irresistible colour of the band's dubiously tuned one sax horn section. <laughs> he also deemed germ-free adolescence one of British punk's strongest albums, and the magazine Trouser Press declared it a masterpiece the Rough Guide to Rock calls it a storming album. So people very much like this. Anyway, there you go. What shall we, what shall we call scores for these guys? Germ-free adolescence. Go on, Mons. I've got, I've, I've got to be true to him. I'm so sorry, because the sax player must be up my age now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give it, but I have to. You've got, you've got to have the dynamic range. So I'm yeah. going to go zero. Really? <laughs> no, I'm not going to get so, uh, just, by, just by the way, the sax player will be about my age. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you're older than me. I just, I just wanted <laughs> 15 that. in 1978 is still considerably older <laughs> than me. So there you go. Sorry, that was just a shock factor. <laughs> yeah. like, I, got, I got Billy up for a seat there. I'll go one for the sax. One. Whoa. One because <laughs> of the fact. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, Billy three for me. Three's are worth a listen. I don't know. Is it worth a listen? I think it is. I think it is. Because I think you got it. Yeah, I think it is. You got, <coughs> you got to get a. Oh God, I don't know. Two. I'm going to go two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's a two. I think if you're into punk, you'll like it. If you're not, probably not. Just two. Yeah. Six. Right. That's if you like be... this sort of thing, go for it. How bad does that do, Martin? Six on our chart. That's got to be close to the bottom, right? It's at it's at the bottom end. And where was this four six eight in the five in the? <laughs> yeah, this was near the bottom. Four seven one. Yeah. So it's on its way out, it's, isn't it? It's, it's made its way in. Maybe it'll make its way up. Maybe it'll disappear. The sax player's probably a lawyer now or something. Yeah. Isn't <laughs> probably retired, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was once in a band. <laughs> um, yeah, that was me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably find out now. There's some horrific, sad story about what happened to her after this, and we've just, <laughs> we've just made fun. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, never mind. <laughs> okay. Album number two on our list. And this is album number 50. Hey. That, 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 we've, that we've covered uh, so far was the debut self-titled album from Tracy Chapman, which therefore it won't surprise you to know was called Tracy Chapman. Well, uh, Released on the 5th of April 1988, was number 218 on the Rolling Stone list. Rolling Stone said, Somehow, this young folk singer came out of nowhere to catch everyone's ear during the hair metal late 80s. Tracy Chapman had already spent time strumming her acoustic guitar for spare change on the streets around Boston, but her gritty voice and storytelling made Fast Car a huge hit. Her debut confronted listeners with the raw truths of songs like Behind the Wall, a gruelling portrayal of domestic violence sung a cappella, and the radical hope of the anthemic opening track, Talking About Revolution. This was her debut studio album, produced by David Kirschenbaum, who has also produced Duran Duran, uh-huh. Brian Adams, Supertramp, Cat Stevens, Elkie Brooks and Tori Amos. Just two weeks after its release, the album had sold over one million copies worldwide, becoming a huge commercial success. In total, it sold over 20 million copies worldwide and is one of the first albums by a female artist to have more than 10 million copies sold worldwide. The number one movie April 1988 was Beetlejuice. The film. 
I was hoping that you would all say Beetlejuice, because I would have said it three times and he'd appear, but it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The number one album was Now That's What I Call Music, 11. Are they still making those? I don't know. I think they are, yeah. Uh, And the UK number one single was Heart by the Pet Shop Boys. On April the 28th, Benny Anderson, Bjorn Ulvius and Tim Rice's musical Chess opened at the Imperial Theatre in New York City. On April the 30th, the 33rd Eurovision Song Contest was won by Celine Dion <laughs> for Switzerland. Singing, oh, it's, it's in French, damn it. Ne portez pas moi. Didn't know she was Swedish. Swedish? Swiss, Swiss. <laughs> oh, Swiss. <laughs> She's like French. Yeah, she's like French. Yeah. I don't know that she is. I think she is she not Canadian and was therefore singing in French and performing for Switzerland. I don't know. French Canadian, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure she is actually Swiss, but, she, but yeah, whatever. Uh, artist born in April 1988, Lizzo and Anna de Armas. She had a bit of controversy yesterday, didn't she, Lizzo? Lizzo, yeah. Uh, song lyrics, is that right? Yeah. No, I didn't hear what, what happened. Dodgy song lyrics to, uh, I don't know what she'd referred to. Stop it, I'd say it. I don't know. Because I don't know what it is. It's called uh, one of the lyrics. The song she said the word spaz. Ah, okay. We'll have to bleep that out. Well, I mean, we're just reporting the facts. <laughs> so, yeah, Tracy Chapman's 1988 album, Tracy Chapman. I think a really good, solid album. Um, I've been a big fan of Tracy Chapman. Well, that's, that's, that's not true. I, <laughs> I'm a big a fan of her voice and a big fan of the hit songs yeah. but I've never listened to it, the album yeah. and, but I think Fast Cars I might even have Fast Car up there as one of my favourite yeah. one of the first songs I learnt on acoustic yeah. um, that riff and I thought the album was really good I obviously knew the three hits but then the rest of them I, if you were being really harsh you could say it's quite simple the album it's yeah. all fairly I mean we ugh, broken record but we come back to that same argument that we've been on many times with this thing like you know do you want more of the same from an album because this I think is it mm. you said they're folky and I was thinking well, as I said it's quite folky but I think it's, for me it's like on the right side of folk you know mm-hmm. where it's still got like her voice which is so soulful yeah. and unique and interesting and I suppose in the landscape of what was going on in the 80s this must have been really refreshing as an album yeah I thought it sounded more 90s than the yeah. 80s I suppose yeah. it's the end of the decade really yeah remember, but, but I think her vocal is so beautifully unique that she will go down and for the the strength of her hits, we said earlier, I think she'll go down as a, well, she has already, but she'll be like a legend. Um, And yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, It was nice and short. As I said, you could maybe say that it was a bit too samey, but other than that, I thought it was a really good solid album. Yeah. I think that behind the was it behind the wall? Yeah, yeah. One of the best songs I've heard this year. Like loved it. Put that on repeat after. Really, the fact it was just stripped down to vocals, like stripping it back even more. I thought it was great. Yeah, and then I don't think that's the first. I don't. I do think that's the first time. What? This is a terrible sentence (laughs) construction. (laughs) That's the only time so far we've had an a cappella song, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And I thought it was great. Like the fact you think you stripped it back with just like acoustic and vo- uh, vocals and then it's just vocals yeah and it still holds its own yeah and it's got a cool message cool, um, not cool lyrics but a good story in it yeah the power um, of her voice though as well yeah. amazing yeah Fast Car Like You is the, one of my favourite songs it's yeah. so good so good um, and I didn't really know any of the other singles like the first one I think I might have heard it before but it's like instant like earwig you like know talking about right? revolution yeah. Yeah. yeah earwig a phrase yeah, yeah, yeah. You're warm, I think. It's probably warm. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's one. Baby, uh, can I hold you? 
Oh yeah, did not know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Although I prefer the boys' own version. No, <laughs> couldn't follow that through. <laughs> I think like <laughs> second time round, like, like you said, I thought there was more. But on second listen, I think the drums and that are quite fine. There is more yeah. instrumentation on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not the main thing. Is her guitar and vocals? Yeah. They're, they're at the forefront. But there is something there to keep it's it quite going. lively, isn't it? They've yeah. obviously just mic'd up a. Yeah. You know, I think it's, they deliberately recorded it as an acoustic album. I think that was mm. definitely a production choice. Was mm. let's keep it simple. Mm. Yeah, it works. It's effective, isn't it? Mm. Sometimes you can do simple. And it, you know, I think with an album you can. I, I, if say we were get, say we were doing an album, you would try and probably and you've heard it with bands and things. Try and throw the kitchen sink at it and be like, look how eclectic we are. Let's show a bit of this, show a bit of this. But maybe the strength of a good album is something, something done well fairly simply but done well and again and again throughout mm. a duration of an album is better than like lots going on an eclectic and okay yeah. that we've got a ballad now we've got a really you know what I mean yeah um, big depths bits yeah. where you go like yeah I could done without what yeah done without that one yeah actually more of the same that's yeah. why I've come to listen to this album but but anyway yeah what do you think Martin were you a fan yeah I, this was really interesting listening to this because I was amazed as soon as it was on it was just like oh god I remember all of this yeah and it was so ubiquitous Really? At the time, it was like everyone everywhere seemed to be playing this album. So it was, I had forgotten how utterly familiar I was with every single bit of this album. Like there were not, and I don't mean this in a bad way. There were no surprises because like I just knew how it was going to go mm. and I knew what was going to happen. I haven't heard it for years, but I remembered everything about it. Um, yeah, it was massively popular. I think probably I don't think I had it. I'm probably I'm guessing probably my girlfriend had it. So it would have been, you know, played a lot and people had it. It was on, you know, whatever, parties, dinner parties, around people's houses. So you weren't a fan originally? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, oh, you yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I just, just it was, I really liked it. Yeah, sorry, right. I should have said that first, maybe. Right. Uh, yeah, I really liked it, but I was surprised how much I really went, oh, yeah, mm. really remember how yeah. good this is. Having not, like I said, having not listened to it for years to get all of those songs and maybe with overhearing versions of fast car versions of baby can I hold you, you know, is what they're, they are ones that get covered by, you know, someone with a guitar mm. is going to play that. Mm. Right. <laughs> uh, I've done it. You know, we, we played uh, baby can I hold you at a friend's wedding. I think I was, I did that just me and my girlfriend. That was that we were the sort of the, the signing the register bit oh yeah we're doing a little performance yeah. and uh, that was one of the ones that we did so I was like yeah God forgive me <laughs> we didn't do that version <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure like, thinking about it I'm sure lyrically it's very inappropriate but we did it anyway <laughs> that, that'll happen um, so yeah it was really really nice to revisit it said having not really thought anything other than sort of you know name Tracy Chapman Fast Car hearing those songs terrible cover versions terrible um, I don't know ramped up dance versions and all sorts of oh, you know, yeah. all sorts of things that have been oh, done to themselves oh god yeah 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 you and then, fast car oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then hearing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then going back to the originals and recognising what a talent she was yeah um, you know this is sort of first thing I think I might have mentioned when we were picking this album that I remember the Mandela concert. I think it was the 70th birthday Mandela concert when he was still in jail at that point. I remembered that she made a Im big impact. What I hadn't remembered was the reason for that was apparently Stevie Wonder was due to play and couldn't because his computer equipment went down. 
and all of his tracks were programmed into a synclavier. Couldn't play them. So he left and Tracy Chapman came back on and did a second set. Oh. <laughs> and it's that sort of two sets thing that really kind of established her as a kind of, wow, this artist is good. Mm. Oh, cool. She's, cause, partly because she sort of saved the day, but also it was sort of reinforced what you'd like the first time she played yeah. earlier I mean, in the day. I mean, it's very strange because you thought in that sort of situation you could just put Stevie on a piano and just say, go on, just, just give I us... I think it depends what you're prepared for, doesn't it? If that's that, you could, like, hits. Stevie Wonder's got to want to do that. Mm, yeah, like, yeah. That wasn't what I was going to do and I'm not prepared to get up in yeah. front of this Wembley audience and just play the piano yeah, when true. that's not the but thing he could play anywhere, like, I he? think he did play later on. I think he did come... <laughs> He's not going to know, is he? Oh, I think... <laughs> I think he did come back. We're really pushing the board today, Billy. Um, that uh, I think he did come back and play later on in the evening, but was sort of once it sort of sorted out what he was going to do. I think it probably was because I, I think it literally was. I'm about to go on stage and none of the equipment is working. That's a sort of a what do I do moment. Anyway, that was the that was the reasoning apparently. And what she smashed it, didn't she? She came on and just sort well, of... well, yeah, I think partly sort of, but it's just her and the guitar, right? And yeah. sort of gets on and. So I say partly saves the day, but partly it's her second set of the day. So anybody that saw her first time round and went, that was quite good. Yeah. Then had that reinforced. Yes. Second time, she's yeah. back on. Yeah. Doing another Improbably. one. Oh, it's yeah, her yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I liked her the first mm. time round and it was only three hours ago <laughs> or whatever. So I think that really helped launch her career. You know, just one of those lucky break things mm. that really helped establish her as, a, as an artist. I mean, there's, a, again, as we've said before, there obviously was huge talent there anyway. You've got, you've got to capitalise on that. It's not just about getting a break. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to be good and get a break. But that certainly seemed to help. It, so yeah, it was, a, it was let's say, a really nice sort of... God, yeah, I remember. It really was. A, out of all the albums that we've listened to, it was the most sort of nostalgic experience because it was like, oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. I remember the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The late yeah. 80s. I mean, this literally came out 5th of April, 1988. That's two days before my 20th birthday. Wow. So I'm that sort of age of kind of, you know, everything's happening for me then, man. <laughs> you remember it was like being 20, right? Yeah. yeah. It's cool. <laughs> Those were good times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with, with Trace Chapman, you'd arguably say that, God, I'm a, oh, this is such a bad example, but I remember back in the day of watching, occasionally watching X Factor and they'd be like, um, you know, it's good, but you've sung the song, but there's no emotion in your voice. You know, there's yeah. no storytelling. I mean, when you listen to Tracy Chapman and, and she's like the best example of absolutely does more than just sing the song. Yeah. Like her voice is almost, I don't know if that's me getting a bit too into it, but the voice is just like, you know, there's a lot of songs on there about the sort of climate of, of, of America of that time. And it's yeah. like, you can hear the pain and the emotion yeah. in that vocal. And, um, I'd put her right up there with people who really like feel every word they sing. Yeah. You know, even on the hit, even on like fast car, it's just like vocally, just, just, just not only flawless, but it's like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, just takes you away. I think I just say, yes, really. She's how many artists could get away with doing that acapella track? Like, honestly, yeah. would you listen to Bowie doing an acapella Absolutely track? Not. <laughs> not to throw him under the bus, but you know, um, he probably tried it on that load album, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or, or Mick Jagger, <laughs> yeah, on the low album, yeah. Or Mick Jagger just like getting through an acapella. It's not happening, but she just absolutely gets away with it. Um, yeah, so I thought it was great. I thought yeah. it was a nice, 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 um, nice album. Eight albums she's released, but nothing since 2008. Apart from a greatest hits album. Uh, I don't know what's happened to Tracy Chapman. She's basically, I know she's not disappeared, but she hasn't actually made any new music or recorded anything new since 2008. She came and did something on like Jimmy Fallon recently. Yeah, or I was going to say she was on a show performing. I think that was like a anniversary thing of something. I don't know. Yeah, she came and did 
talk about a revolution. I said, just, yeah, I said about the uh, production. I said very polished, very simple, but beautiful because of it. I think that's what I wrote. Yeah, uh, thirty-four yeah. years older than what the album. Yeah, kind of sounds it though in a way. Like I know what you mean. I thought I always thought it was nineties. Yeah. What year is it? 18? 88. All right. Yeah, I always thought it was early nineties, like ninety-four or something. Yeah. But now starts to sound, and not not I don't mean dated in a in a sort of negative way, but it does sound. Do you know what I mean? It does sound a bit like it's starting to sound quite old school to me. Yeah. Arriving with little fanfare in the spring of 1988, Tracy Chapman's eponymous debut album became one of the key records of the late 80s era, providing a touchstone for the entire PC movement whilst reviving the singer-songwriter tradition. Robert Crisco, again was less enthusiastic in his review for Village Voice. He found Fast Car and Mountains of Things very perceptive and Chapman an innately gifted singer, but was disappointed by the presence of begged questions and naive left folky truisms, such as talking about revolution and why. Oh, Robert. <laughs> yeah, grumpy old git. <laughs> <laughs> but what did we think? I would give it a four. A four from Billy. I was between three and four, but Billy's, uh, if Billy's going four, I'll go four as well. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I am also going four. Beautiful. That's got to be up there. 12. Mm. Yeah. Great album. And as you said, doesn't overstay its welcome either. It's lovely. It's sort of yeah, yeah. 30, 35 minutes done. Thank you very yeah. much. Like that. <laughs> I think See I've decided we'll come on to that, but yeah, that's the, that's the optimum 40 minutes, optimum amount. Yeah. Splendid stuff. At this point, in a break from tradition, we have decided to call it, after 50 albums, we'll call that the end of season one. And we're well going done, to boys. take a, a little break. So at this point, we won't select our next albums. We'll leave that for another time. But uh, don't go away, because next week on the podcast, we will be reviewing uh, our season one albums so far and deciding on the ones that we think should stay on the list ones that we think are worthy of uh, existing on, what should we call it? The Apollo Audio Top 100? Yeah. Or a better, a better name? I don't know. <laughs> Shall we end up with our favourite 100 albums? Why 100? I don't know. Because 500's a big list. <laughs> we can go 50. Yeah. I don't care. 10. <laughs> Is that, by the end of this, I was thinking we might have, we might just about be able to agree on 100 albums. That was what I was thinking. Think Not so. necessarily all off the Rolling Stone 500 list. We can add our own ones in. And okay. off the top of your heads, do you think Tracy Chapman will be on it? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's save that for next yeah. week. <laughs> so join us next week when we will be wrapping up season one of the Apollo Audio Podcast with a review so far. So join us then. Bye-bye. Here's mine.